Welcome into Locked On Knicks. It is trade deadline day, and the winds are let's not say swirling. They're at a gentle, gentle kick right now, kicking some rumors around. So we're gonna get into the latest as of this morning on trade deadline day, and then highlight what we think we want the Knicks to do at this trade deadline right now on Locked On Knicks. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you subscribe. And hit that notification bell and that auto download function because there is a pretty good chance that a trade will happen for the next day. At least I think so, which means we'll probably go live at some point or at least put out a very quick reaction episode and then have more to get into later. Maybe a little bit more in lieu of the, the game tonight if a lot of Knicks are out uh, and there's been some people moved in a trade. So. We'll see what ends up happening, but no matter what, we got you covered, and you want to make sure to have that notification bell, auto-download function, be subscribed on all platforms, so make sure you do that. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, and you can find Strick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster, and your Knicks have uh, some rumors going around. Obviously, they've been linked to a number of guys for weeks now, uh, but there's been sort of some reporting about where they stand on certain guys gavin the one i keep hearing the most is a familiar name which is alec burks everybody seems to be linking the knicks to burks now uh so i'll just get into the the quick notes on where things stand with burks and then we can sort of react to that and just go kind of name by name rumor by rumor here just to fill in the blanks here but the latest on burks uh Woj had uh, said yesterday the knicks and pistons have been in trade discussions around Alec Burks. Uh, he has previously played in New York under Tom Thibodeau, of course, before going to Detroit. Uh, then last night in a segment uh, with SVP on ESPN, so like the late edition of SportsCenter, Woj said, uh, uh, he said that the Sixers would be the main competition for Burks. Uh, or I'm sorry. He said the Burks to Philly talk is dead. And Ian Begley said the Sixers would be the Knicks' main competition for Burks last night on uh, SNY Sports Night. So a little bit of conflicting reports there. Uh, And then Woj had said on NBA Today yesterday, the Knicks have been an active team. They wanted to improve their bench scoring at the deadline. I don't think that's changed with the injuries they've had. So quick reaction to that. Uh, Maybe Philly's in contention for Burks, or maybe it's just the Knicks at this point. But I overall kind of find it unsurprising that he's a guy that they're going after. Yeah. I look, what, what, what have we established over and over and over again on this podcast? It's that Tom Thibodeau is a creature of habit and Alec Burks, the man who played point guard over Emmanuel quickly uh, for half a season is, is someone Tom Thibodeau is comfortable with. And that 
I don't know if it doubles his value as a player, but it certainly is a force multiplier from the Knicks perspective in that, I mean, even, even the front office, like they can get someone that they like, but they have to say, all right, is this ultimately someone who Tom Thibodeau will play? But in this case, Alex, I I don't actually think it's ridiculous because he does fill a clear niche for the Knicks as a ball handler. My, my concern there is that when he operated as a point guard in the starting lineup, uh, the Knicks had just a horrific offensive rating. If you remember, he was historically poor finisher around the rim. Um, two years later, do I expect that to be a lot better? No, the difference is he would be playing a much smaller role off the bench. And I, I do think he's more ready than either Deuce McBride or, or Quentin Grimes, if it came to it, um, to run a bench unit um, come playoff time. So to me, it, it it does make sense. Is he someone who's going to move the needle for the Knicks? And will the Knicks ultimately be disappointed if they're really relying him, on him in the playoffs? Probably a little bit. The The thing is, I think it would be for a 15, 16 minute a game role. The fear there is just that Tom Thibodeau loves him so much. It would turn into something more than that. Yeah. I mean, as long as he's not playing point guard, I think it's fine. Uh, luckily on that second unit, I, well, he would probably be initiating a decent amount of time if this is the only move that they make, because it would be him and Deuce McBride out there. And you know, the Tibbs would be like, Barks, you bring the ball down. Um, you know, like it's, it would be Burks or nothing for, for Tibbs in that case. So from that perspective, it's a little scary, uh, potentially bringing him on that said, like if he's by far the least expensive option out of all these various options that the Knicks can do, maybe it's just kind of like frugal to say, Hey, like, let's save our assets. You know, things are sort of up in the air right now with all the various injuries that the Knicks are dealing with right now. So he's sort of a safe option, I guess, in that way. Um, but I don't know. It, it's, I definitely buy it. I definitely buy that. They're interested in him. I, I want to hope that he's not their number one option, I guess would be the main thing, because if that's your only plan, you know, you and I've been talking about like, well, maybe this team actually is sort of a dark horse contender this year. Like if things would break the right way, if they make the right move here at the deadline, in my opinion, at least I think if they go after Burks, I don't know that that's, that's a move that's going to move the needle enough to do anything more than just say, Hey, we sort of plugged the hole that got left by Emmanuel quickly, but there's still a little bit of a leak, uh, you know, so whatever, we'll fix it next year. I think would basically be the mentality at that point. Yeah. And and look again, like this isn't really anything against Burks. He's a good player. I, I honestly do think he'd undoubtedly improve the Knicks just because they're just desperate for shot creation. And Deuce McBride has provided that in in spurts so far, but I think to expect it from him against better teams in the playoffs is a long shot. And Burks is someone, I mean, he had that 27-point game against the Hawks. And again, we're looking back three years ago, but even on, on this morbid Pistons team, he's had big games. He's had big moments. Like, he is going to be relatively fearless, I think. And and I... I, I still I still think the big question on this Knicks team is like, all right, how much of what's happening in the regular season translates to the playoffs? If they go after Burks, it's because they think it's someone who who could translate a little bit better than what they currently have. Um, another rumor, Alex, the Knicks. Um, um, this is this is on Jordan Clarkson. Uh, the Knicks see him as someone to pursue. I think Utah will want a lot for Clarkson. That is from Ian Begley. So th- this jives with basically everything um, we've been hearing, we've been saying, we've been reading um, for the last month or so that the Knicks definitively have interest there. It's just that Danny Ainge is, is as, as usual, um, going to ask for the world. Um, and, and, and possibly, possibly Alex, I hate to say this about an NBA legend, um, overvalue his own guy. So what, what do you, what do you make of the Jordan Clarkson market and, and the possibility that he could still end up being a Nick? 
Well, first off, with Danny Ainge overvaluing his own guys, I, I I will contest right now the Rudy Gobert trade was one of the worst things for trade negotiations in the history of the NBA, at least as it pertains to the Utah Jazz, because yeah. this guy just has his his sight set way too high now pretty much all the time. It, it, it's like a little kid asking his parents to move to Disney World and they say, what the heck? We'll move to Disney World. And then yeah. what, 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 are you, what are you saying no to at that point? And where do you go up to from there? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I will note, uh, so uh, Stefan Bondi wrote a, a a uh, column for the New York Post last night and put out odds for potential targets for the Knicks. And he had had Burks at three to one. He also said the field at three to one. Spoiler alert, he said everything at three to one. I don't know why I didn't just throw one other odd in there. But uh, he, he noted specifically in the field that there were two names the Post has heard about from this group, and they both play for the Jazz. Jordan Clarkson, a spark plug wing scorer, and Kelly Olenek, a gritty veteran center, was uh, Bondi's words there. So, uh, I think that there's definitely smoke here. It's probably just coming down to ultimately. And I mean, I get the feeling that Leon Rose hates negotiating with Danny Ainge because obviously we saw how things went with the Donovan Mitchell stuff. Um, I think that he probably just looks at this as like, I'm not going to acquiesce to what this guy wants because I don't like him. <laughs> I bet it's probably personal at this point uh, after how things went with Mitchell. And, you know, it's kind of, it's different from, uh, from how things were before where the Knicks at least early in Leon's tenure made at least I think one small move with the Jazz I think it was part of that Ed Davis thing or whatever where they they sort of just worked as the yeah. middle the middle person for Ed Davis to get him to I, I think that that was pre-Ainge though wasn't it or yeah that's what I'm saying like so I think I think that's done now I think that yeah. nice little relationship is all finished I don't think the Knicks particularly like dealing with the Jazz at this point um that said I mean if they could get him for like a first round pick fine but he's having like one of the worst years of his career which makes it all the more ludicrous that they're asking for this much uh considering he's shooting like under 30 percent from three but Ainge might be looking at that and saying well why would i trade him now at his lowest point when i have him locked up for 15 mil for the next two years uh so i don't know it's i don't think he's an ideal trade target although you you could certainly argue that the trade bump playing in msg all that stuff playing for something might inspire him to you know, have a better year this year than he has been so far. But I would I would struggle to be like, yeah, sure, give up two first round picks for him when he's playing how he is. Yeah, I think the only the only encouraging thing about his year is that he's averaging 4.9 assists per game. And, and this is a guy who before last season had never averaged over 3.5 a game. And that was back in his rookie year. So he certainly developed as a playmaker. But I, to me, the the fact that he, he just can't shoot right now, like, I mean, he you would be getting him purely as a bench creator and of course he's he is better than someone like Alec Burks in that scenario but I think if you're going to pay that premium price which is why we we keep circling back to Malcolm Brogdon you also want someone who on the right night can close games for you and maybe that equation has changed a little bit with how well Dante DiVincenzo is playing and, and he's a guy who's making a case for that but for better or worse, like Tom Thibodeau largely hasn't trusted DiVincenzo to close games. And I, I wonder if that's going to shift after this five game stretch. But if it doesn't, like, I think the Knicks are looking for a bench point guard and a fifth starter to close playoff games. And to me, Clarkson makes almost no sense in that role as a minus defender um, and, and someone who can't really shoot. The, the playmaking is fantastic, but that is a, like, what is Deuce playing right now? 15, 16, 17 minutes a game. And in the playoffs, like you're going to be playing Jalen Brunson 38 minutes a night. Are you giving up a first round pick to play Jordan Clarkson 
10 minutes with the bench and five minutes with Jalen Brunson, even if those lineups don't really make sense like that, that's where this falls apart for me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. And there's some other names to get into here. Uh, we've got still DeJounte Murray, the latest on him to talk about uh, Malcolm Brogdon and also uh, Bruce Brown. You know, I think that he's the name that keeps coming up. So there's a lot more to talk about. But Gavin, first, I'm going to let everybody know about our friends over at Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? And if you have you ever wondered what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. So how about the 2024 Nissan Rogue? It's perfect for city drives and great escapes. It has class exclusive Google built in, which is always updating, which is your always updating assistant to call on for almost anything. And gone are the days of connecting your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. That is a huge screen for those of you keeping track at home. It's like, it's like a laptop. The 2024 Rogue is the perfect midsize crossover for your next adventure. And if that's not your speed, try the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Uh, big enough for the whole family. Has room for up to eight and expansive cargo capacity and advanced available 4x4 capability. And with 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds towing capacity, when adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. So take the Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or the Nissan Armada to go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. All right, and we're back, Gavin, to get into more rumors here. Uh, we've, we've got Malcolm Brogdon up next a guy that you just mentioned a second ago and uh certainly a guy that the knicks have been linked to along with other teams ian begley yesterday in his final column at least leading into today noted he hadn't heard of any quote advanced discussions about brogdon Woj also we didn't even write this down but Woj over this past week has kind of been implying that he might be off the market i believe on podcasts and stuff or just being like i think it's way less likely that he gets traded than he does at this point um, or then he, then he doesn't at this point, I should say. Uh, and then Bondi in that same column where he wrote out the odds for everything mentioned the Knicks are interested in Brogdon, but didn't really have any additional context there. So it's seeming like things are pretty chilly on the Brogdon front right now. Uh, I don't know. It, can, can you understand the, the rationale from the Blazers and wanting to keep him, to be honest? Is it just that, I mean, Brogdon has been pretty vocal about, I like it here. I feel like I'm appreciated here as like a veteran or whatever. Is it really just that simple that they're just like, well, he's a good vet. We're going to keep him. Cause it seems like they're kind of passing up a chance for a decent payday here. Yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely pretty confused about it as well. Like I'm, I'm sure he is a good mentor. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is, is considered one of the leaders in the NBA, one of, one of the smartest players in the NBA. And they, they do have this incredibly young team with, with Anthony Simons. And I, I think most notably Scoot Henderson. And, and maybe if they feel like he's, he's been meaningful to Scoot Henderson's development and, and they're saying, Hey, like we made the ultimate investment in this guy. Let's keep Malcolm Brogdon around for the long haul and they can keep working together and he can, he can keep picking up little tips and tricks of the trade. Sure. To me, that seems ridiculous to pass up significant draft equity. And, and I think probably what it's going to come down to is Portland will ultimately trade him and, and, and they are, are just keeping their cards as close to the vest as humanly possible and, and trying to finagle something that approximates like a potential top 
14 pick, a lottery pick down the road, and that would probably be a future pick. And, and this has been an ongoing theme in the Knicks discussions, as we're going to get to. Um, Michael Grange had it come out in, in terms of the Knicks um, negotiations with the Raptors for Bruce Brown that that the holdup at this point is that the Knicks want to trade um, a pick this year and the Raptors want a future first round pick from the Knicks. And and I think that the big emphasis here from New York is always is, is like is like keep passing along your assets down the road and and don't lose anything from that war chest that you're going to want to eventually deal for a Joel Embiid and a Devin Booker while other teams are saying, Hey, the Knicks are pretty good this year. The Dallas Mavericks are not amazing, but pretty good this year. We want to pick that at least has the potential to be a top 14 top 12 pick. And, and Alex, we can, we can debate whether or not the Knicks are wise for that personally. Like I would not trade anything that could turn into a top 10 pick for probably any of these guys save maybe DeJounte Murray. Um, and, and I think, I think that's ultimately where, where the holdup is, which is a shame because we're, we're on the same page that Malcolm Brogdon would be a fantastic fit for the New York Knicks. And I'm, I'm sure there's five other locked on podcasts saying the same thing right now. Yeah, I would, I would definitely love Brogdon. I mean, it ultimately comes down to two, like, are they going to ask for multiple first round picks then, you know, if it's like, well, we don't like that. We'd have to take a pick this year, then, you know, give us another pick later down the line. If it came down to it and the Knicks were in on Brogdon, well, let me let me just phrase this to you. I mean, we're going to get into our dream guys in a minute, and spoiler alert, Brogdon shows up on the list for both of us pretty high. Uh, but if, if Portland came to you and you were Leon Rose and they said, we need both the uh, Washington and Detroit super protected picks that are never protected less than like top eight for either pick, uh, I think is how the protections shake down for that and potentially won't convey until all the way out to like 2026, 2027. And even if they do convey, we'll just convey a seconds then potentially if those teams continue to be bad. Like if they come you, to you and ask for both of those, do you do that if you can get Brogdon? I think it depends on my, my, this is, this is cheating a little, but my knowledge of Julius Randall and OG Ananobi's both then, and being fairly certain those two guys are going to be above 90% for the playoffs, then, I, then I'm doing it. Then I'm rolling the dice because like I've, I've said it before, like I, I, I think it's, it's easy to underappreciate what Jalen Brunson is doing this year. You, you don't mess with a year of that guy's prime. And if you have a team that I know you, I, I sorry if I'm off on this, but I think you put it at like maybe 10%. If they got someone like Brogdon, I would have it more like two, three, 4% of them winning a title. If they got Brogdon, I, I think you have to take that risk. And I, I think you have to give Jalen Brunson everything you possibly can without totally mortgaging your future. And, and to me, that's, that's a middle ground. I would be okay with. Yeah. I think I probably would be too. I, I you know, cause I've, I mean, you can go, anybody can go back to the draft uh, post draft pods that we had after that draft last year where I was like, or I should say two years ago. Yeah, two whenever, years ago. Yeah, two years ago now. Yeah. It wasn't last year's draft. It was 2022 where I was like, yeah, no thanks. Those picks stink. Like I always kind of knew that they were going to be devalued a little bit just by how crazy protected they are. And now Washington and Detroit are in full on like mega tank mode, each of them. So, yeah, I, you know, I, if they traded both of those, I consider those to be almost like like high value second round picks because I just don't see either of those teams making the playoffs for the next like four or five years, which means they're probably going to be stranded in the lottery for a long time. So, yeah, I guess we'll see what the Knicks value those picks at, certainly. Um, then to get into some notes, uh, the biggest name on the market and the biggest name that has had some links to the Knicks 
obviously the you know we talked about the other day the big clutch and uh uh Knicks sit down you know to discuss clutch clients I guess coming to the Knicks well the biggest clutch client that might be on the market is DeJounte Murray Ian Begley in his column yesterday noted he doesn't think the Knicks will go after DeJounte because it would represent quote a seismic change for a team that's already playing so well and then Bondi in his column had a note on on him in the field uh section as well said the Knicks have checked in with the Hawks about Murray in recent weeks, as source said, but reports suggest their interest cooled at Atlanta's high asking price, which there was, there's been an offer floating around out there that the Knicks apparently offered uh, uh, Grimes, Fournier, and a first round pick. Uh, which one? Who's to say? But a first round pick uh, at some point down the line. So apparently Atlanta's asking for a second first round pick to go with that uh, for Murray before they would even consider it. I think I... I read or saw somewhere else. It might've even been in Begley's column that they're sort of just like at this point saying, well, why, you know, with how much we gave up for him, we want to recoup at least two first round picks. If we're going to deal this guy back out, considering we spent three in a swap to get him here uh, just two years ago. So it seems like things are cooling down there, but maybe not totally dead as far as the Knicks and DeJounte. Yeah. I, th I think the Knicks have, have measured interest in him would be the best way to frame it. And to me, that should be the approach because I will we'll get into it a little bit more in a bit, but I, I just don't like the fit. And I, I don't think any team with a star point guard is, is going to get their full value out of DeJounte Murray. Um, You can go back and listen to that crossover we did with Brad Rowland of Locked on Hawks, but the numbers when DeJounte Murray's the point guard and the numbers when he's playing with Trey Young are, are dramatically different. Like he, he's he's way more efficient even on the basketball and with Jalen Brunson here, like I I've seen YouTube comments saying, Hey, like, like Jalen can play off the ball. Just give DeJounte the ball. Jalen Brunson is the better player. We're talking about a guy who at this point with our, with our orange and blue glasses on, we all think is a top 12 player in the world. He, we are not taking the ball out of his hands for DeJounte freaking Murray, just because theoretically he can do it and did it in Dallas. So that, that is where the Knicks are not going to give up more value than what they're actually going to get while the Hawks are asking for the value you would get if you didn't have a point guard. So maybe the Spurs in, in, in the funniest trait backseas of all time, make that deal. But for the New York Knicks, like at the end of the day, I, I ultimately don't think like it makes more sense. And, and to me that I, it would hurt to part with Quinn Grimes. If that's the trade, Alex, I'm cool with it. Even if it's a future pick, that's fairly lightly protected anything more than that. I'm out. And I'm, I'm glad Leon Rose is too. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I just, I getting DeJounte, I would want to get him if it was a good value. And, you know, that's, it, it's like, hey, if you can go, like, go bargain hunting and go hit the sale shelf and, you know, do that and, and get a player like DeJounte Murray, then why do you not? You know, like the upside there is huge if it does pan out. But obviously, you don't want to be too far in on that with him still with three years left on his contract and all that stuff. If, you know, it hits even as soon as this summer and you say, eh, this didn't work. I think we got to move this guy. Uh, granted, it'll turn into a good salary chunk for like a big superstar trade or something once the summer hits. And maybe that would always be the plan if you trade for him. But yeah, it's uh, not a guy that I would want to give up a ton of assets for strictly for that reason, because they probably want to use him in a bigger trade down the line. I'll just give two more quick notes here. So Ian Begley said uh, the Knicks are not so much in the market for a big now, thanks to Precious playing well. I don't think that's much of a surprise because Precious has been playing really well. And in theory, they've now got a, a really solid like center and even four man, like finally sort of a backup four man in Precious because he's been playing well starting at the four with Randall out. 
And then uh, Begley also, we have sort of semi-conflicting things here. Not really, maybe just two things that exist on the same plane. But uh, Ian Begley noted that Utah, Washington, and Atlanta are all interested in Quentin Grimes, which is interesting considering two of the names we brought up in Clarkson and DeJounte Murray, uh, since that's their two teams, uh, two out of those three. And then Fred Katz said that he thinks a Grimes trade is becoming less likely as we get closer to the deadline here. Uh, so Gavin, we'll, we'll kind of finish touching on some of these notes and also rank our top deadline targets. Uh, I'm going to say one by one, because that would be more fun if we just pit ourselves against each other. Uh, but we'll do that in just a second. But first, can you let everybody know about our friends over at Prize Picks? Absolutely, Alex. Uh, the first question we have to ask is, what is Prize Picks? Well, Prize Picks is America's number one daily fantasy sports app with over three million members. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. So I, I just want to clarify this for people on most uh, daily fantasy sports app. You are competing against those guys and gals who went to MIT, moved into their parents' basements. They know how to use Excel. You're not going to beat those people. Um, but on prize picks, you don't have to worry about that because you're just going against the stat projections. It's demon time on prize picks. You can now win up to 100 times your money, up to 100 times with as little as four correct picks. Um, I'm going to do some math for you. That means you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play a prize pick. Squares marked with the red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. So go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use our code LockedOnNBA for a first-time deposit match up to $100. Once again, that's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100 price picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. And we're back on Locked On Knicks. Alex, it is time to rank the uh, prospective trade targets. Um, I'm going to start it off. Um, I have Malcolm Brogdon number one. I don't know how you did your list. To me, this was player plus price. What player do I want at the price that the Knicks could reasonably get them? Um, and, and Malcolm Brogdon, just a clear-cut fit because of what I mentioned earlier, the ability to lead a bench unit, to create a bench unit, to have gravity off the ball and to have gravity on the ball, and then the ability to close games. And as well as Dante DiVincenzo is playing um, I think Malcolm Brogdon would ultimately be the better option to close games come playoff time, playing off of Jalen Brunson as one of the best catch and shoot guys in the NBA. Yeah. I also think a thing that we don't maybe talk about enough because we talk about all the great stuff he brings on offense, but on defense, he's a big body too, which is a thing that Tibbs would like, but also a thing that's just no matter how you play defense in the NBA, like no matter what your team's scheme is, if you switch everything, if you play drop, whatever, it's always good to have guys that can switch. Because even if your plan isn't to switch everything, inevitably guys get switched. You know, a big might get switched on to Malcolm Brogdon. And like he is that Tibbsy sort of guy that's big and sturdy for his, you know, for his height and whatever, and just can handle a switch like that, which is good. So I'm right there with you. I've got Malcolm Brogdon number one as well. Um, ironically it's like for all the for all that we you know talked last year about like he stole the six man of the year award from Emmanuel quickly ironically he gives you exactly what Emmanuel quickly did on offense which is good you know a guy that can play both on and off the ball a guy that can run that second unit but can also stay in there with Jalen Brunson 
Um, the injury history worries me a little bit, considering he's very injury prone and the Knicks are currently an infirmary. Um, but that said, if, if you can keep him healthy and, you know, have enough healthy players to get you to a decent playoff seed, which seems like the Knicks will as of right now, and then get there and have him healthy, OG healthy, Randall healthy. I like the Knicks chances in the playoffs. Uh, my second guy is DeJounte Murray. Uh, I, he's my number two. Mostly because it's just like, I look at it and I understand the risks. I understand that he might end up not uh, working out because of, you know, egos or him wanting a bigger role or having to take the ball out of Brunson's hands. But uh, my thought based on the reporting is that the Knicks offer has been the best offer for him the whole time. And I almost wonder if, the Knicks themselves are holding out because their interest in him is dated back to like December, I think was when we first started seeing his name come up with like the Knicks are interested in him. It might even have been earlier than that. Like it might have been over the offseason. There was at least a little nugget of it uh, that I'm forgetting who exactly had it. But, you know, we were seeing from from, you know, Knicks reporters as of December that they're into him. And, and even I think a national person picked it up. Then it cooled down because then there was the whole story about like, oh, the Knicks and clutch don't don't talk, you know, whatever, like clutch clients aren't going to end up on the Knicks. Then we have this big reported on powwow between the powers that be from clutch and the Knicks over the last weekend when the Lakers were in town. I don't know. All signs just seem to point to this potentially being sort of an out of left field deal that happens today, where if the Hawks are genuinely interested in Quentin Grimes and, you know, they're okay with finally just saying, fine, you know what? Like we won't take, a second first round pick, maybe give us like Detroit second for next year or whatever, which, which is like a glorified late first round pick. Then, you know, they could be persuaded to say, okay, fine, let's do it. Let's get this deal done. Like things aren't working out with DeJounte. He's clearly upset, um, you know, and doesn't want to be there anymore. And you don't want to like, just keep that environment going for a team that wants to eventually try to compete. Uh, I just think, I think if you can get them for that value, it's worth trying the experiment. And no matter what, expectations aren't championship this year anyway. So as long as you can just, you know, play pretty well and and compete well and hopefully get to the second round again, you're at least showing like some progress. And if it's not working out, you have a player that is more desirable than like Evan Fournier to include in a superstar trade this summer, which I think will ultimately be the Knicks goal if they get DeJounte. So that that would be my second guy. Yeah, I, I I think I agree with you. There's always like, and even even if it's a three team deal, and you you are eventually circulating him back to a team like like the Spurs, um, th- there's always going to be a team out there that wants Dejounte Murray. His contract, to your point, is is totally reasonable. Um, unlike some of the other guys on my list, like he he does have a long um extension coming up, four years. So like that that is not at all a concern. Um, he's number three on my list ultimately. Because, like, I do think there's a world where acquiring him is actively counterproductive to some sense. And he takes away from some of the kumbaya. Everyone touches the ball. Um, the ball's, like, flying around the perimeter feeling. And he's just like, all right, like, I'm, I'm playing with the bench unit. Like, it's time for, for DeJounte to cook. Time for DeJounte to get his. Um, ultimately, I, I I think I'd lean towards the Knicks style influencing him more than him influenced the Knicks. Like he did come up through that Spurs, like passing tree. Like he got to, got to play with the very tail end of that. I think he got a year or two with, with LaMarcus Aldridge, at least maybe I might've just missed Tim Duncan. Um, 
point being, like, I, I could see a world where it works out. Like I said before, like the best version of DeJounte Murray, who's who's an all NBA defensive guy and shooting 38% from three on decent volume, like and easily the best scorer on, on this list, or, or maybe maybe the spoilers, the second best scorer on my list. Um, like there, there, there's a world where it's a great fit. Like, I just think it, it's a long shot that the Knicks get that. But to your point, if the price is Grimes, Fournier, and just like a middling first round pick. I'm, I'm totally willing to take that risk. I'm totally willing to take that ride. But my number two guy, Alex, is your number three guy. So this this, this works out well, is Alex Caruso. Um, and and I say that because Caruso is is not only like like we we say OG Ananobi is the best perimeter defender in basketball. If, if he isn't, um, it, it's probably Pete Kawhi Leonard. And then if Pete Kawhi Leonard isn't, it's it's probably Alex Caruso. Like he he is about as good as it gets in terms of stopping opposing point guards. Like that is just such an extraordinary weapon to have come playoff time. And the fact that he can shoot the ball now, the fact that he's he's turned into a pretty decent distributor, I think come playoff time, when, when you're likely going to have either Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle on the floor at all times, you can survive if the guy you add is not necessarily a score first dude. My only hesitancy and my only maybe slight regret at having him at number two, the more I think about it, is that I, I think the Bulls are going to ask for an obscene price for him, which doesn't really make sense because winning games is against their own interest. But Chicago um, does not seem to care and, and they seem to be somewhat rudderless. So I'm, I'm worried that they're going to hold out for two first round picks for Caruso. Yeah, and the Bulls just, it, like you said, rudderless is a good way to put it, a term that once wrongly got associated with the Knicks. But um, yeah, I just don't, I don't buy it with, with the bulls like just what their what their thought process is i guess it's not even that i don't buy it i just don't even understand it like i don't some of the reports are like oh they're ready to kind of semi blow it up other ones are like no no they want to ride this out they want to still compete for the number 10 playing spot or whatever and it's like i don't know if it were me and i had invested that much in that core and it seemed this little results i would just look to blow it up at this point so i don't fully understand their thought process there, but I'm with you. Like I think Crusoe maybe isn't the perfect fit in terms of what he would offer on offense off the bench, but I think could at least like do enough ball handling by committee to take like the, the brunt of that and kind of revert back to his Lakers self where he was more of a, a ball handler point guard type. And then on defense would just be dynamite and would probably get to close a lot of games with uh, Brunson and, you know, potentially even with DiVincenzo, um, especially like what, as we wait for Randall to come back uh, towards the playoffs. So uh, I think he'd be a really good fit if the Knicks are able to shake him loose. I've got Alec Burt. You know, I'll just go through the whole rest of my list real quick, um, just in the interest of time. But I had Alec Burks at number four for a lot of the reasons that we said. Familiarity. You know, I, I don't think he's ideal, but he has been playing well this year. And just given the cost, given that he's such a low-risk investment, I'm cool with it. Uh, I have Jordan Clarkson next. He worries me a bit. Uh, like I said, you know, earlier, the the shooting percentages and stuff like that definitely uh, worry me and I'm, I'm not super high on him. Uh, but, you know, if the price isn't too high, I'm all right with it. Bruce Brown, I know he's a good player and the salary is really useful for next year and he pretty much works exactly for Evan Fournier, which is nice. So if the Knicks pulled off for like Fournier in a couple seconds or something, that would be great. But I do worry a little bit. I'm like, Unlike Caruso, I, I don't feel as confident in him to like resurrect his ball handling days, like from when he was with Detroit, because uh, he's thrived in his career as basically Josh Hart. You know, as like a three-four guy that plays good defense and gets rebounds and stuff. 
Uh, and then just for funsies, I put Ish Smith as my last one just for Clyde. If the Knicks find a way to do it, it would be great. All right. I'll go a little bit more in, in, in depth on, on this guy just because you you didn't have him on your list at all. But I, I, I still think DeMar DeRozan is is a dark horse candidate. Um, doesn't make a ton of sense contractually just because he is expiring this year. And, and like the Knicks would maybe have to give him a lot of money. And then maybe he wouldn't be plus value in a trade. And I think that's ultimately why it won't happen. But to me, like, I, I still think there's a, a real world where he is just clear cut the best player on this list and the team, the guy that actually elevates the Knicks the most. And we we went in depth on his numbers. You did a good job pointing out, Alex, his mid-range numbers are not where they've been in the past. Like, I just can't get out of my head. Like, I, I watched the Suns-Bulls game earlier this year and just watching him go back and forth with Kevin Durant down the stretch. I think in big moments, like, he is still an absolute assassin. And given the very real questions of, like, can Julius Randle actually get it done in the playoffs again I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic on that but to have a guy who's a near Jalen Brunson level shot creator and to add him for maybe just one first round pick plus Quentin Grimes um that that's appealing to me even if even if it's just a one-year rental even if he burns some assets doing it like I I do think he is kind of the quintessential example of someone who would play substantially better on the Knicks than he is on their current team and I'll just I'll speed through the rest um I'd Kelly Olenek fifth just because that name is thrown out there like I, I kind of really like the idea of getting a stretch big, I, I honestly think he would be a bit more useful than Precious Achua. Like I, I, I just, it, it would be fantastic for the Knicks to have the option to play a stretch five or, or even a stretch four. Like when, when Julius Randall isn't having a particularly hot night, I know that's going to functionally be OG Ananobi, but Kelly Olenek, I, I think would add some, some much needed variety to the Knicks offense. I'm um, Alec Burke, six Bruce Brown, seventh, like you, I, I, I love him as a player. I, I just think you're replicating too much of what Josh Hart does. And, and I don't, I don't think it makes sense to acquire him to play him 20 minutes a game and totally banish Quentin Grimes. Um, but I, I would, I would talk myself into it. They got him eight Jordan Clarkson. That's to me, that's just totally a fit thing. Like I, I just don't know. Maybe he's a slightly better defender. I don't know how much he does that the Knicks honestly couldn't just get by by giving Evan Fournier a genuine chance. And maybe I'm an idiot. And maybe that, that ship has sailed so long ago. Fournier having a role on the Knicks, but to me, like you, you, like you almost have a Jordan Clarkson at home. And I know he's not the same creator off the dribble. I know he's not the same passer, but in terms of just providing offense, I think he could give you some of that. Again, if they got Clarkson, I'd probably talk myself into it. I just don't think he makes a lick of sense playing next to Jalen Brunson. And, and that's why I ultimately wouldn't do it. So what do you think ultimately is going to happen? If we could, if we close out the show here, just with predictions, what, what do you think is the ultimate outcome here for the Knicks? Okay, I'm going to say, despite him being seventh on my list, sixth on your list, the Knicks acquired Bruce Brown in exchange for the Dallas Mavericks first round pick and Evan Fournier. And and I know that's been the holdup in the discussions. I just think if Toronto had a better offer on the table of an unprotected or lightly protected future first from another team, deal would have been done already. I think DeJounte Murray is a Nick by the end of today. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I just can't shake this feeling based off how the reporting, how the reporting always goes with this Leon Rose team. It's it's always you hear trickles and trickles and trickles of information for like months on end. And it's that's always the guy that they end up kind of shocking you and going for. That happened with OG. Uh, that happens. Well, I guess Reddish kind of came out of left field, but Josh Hart, there was some reporting about the Knicks, you know, potentially being interested there. And then they eventually get it done. I just I think that that's the guy that we've seen the most reporting on. And I just don't think that there would have been this whole like the clutch in CAA Knicks, whatever powwow could have waited till this offseason or like any other time. And yet specifically happened 
this past weekend. I know the Lakers were in town, so it's probably like Rich Paul was there with LeBron, but the timing just feels too perfect for me. I, I think DeJounte ends up in Nick by the end of the day. Uh, and the Knicks kind of make that big splash because I think their offer is just the best offer that Atlanta has gotten. And I think that Atlanta is just trying to posture to get more, but ultimately realizes like things are too broken with Murray. Now he clearly wants out. They clearly are ready to move on from him. And I, I think the Knicks end up going bargain hunting essentially and saying, well, if nobody else is going to offer anything better, we'll take him for sure. We'll, we'll take that chance. That'd be fun. All right. Well, we'll see what actually happens. And again, we will be here, or at least I'll be here. Alex has to go to work, but I'll be here throughout the day um, to give you. I think I can pop in. I think I can make it happen. I, okay, I've, cool, I've, cool. I've let people know at work. I might need a twenty-minute yeah. break at one point today. <laughs> you, you, you do. You do work in content creation, so so you'd hope you'd hope they'd understand. But if if not, we'll we'll, we'll get thoughts from him um, tonight because the Knicks play a game against the Dallas Mavericks. We will certainly have that for you. And if it's a quiet deadline, and that that's ultimately what goes down. We'll have plenty of thoughts on that too. But he's Alex. I'm Gavin. We'll talk to you very, very soon on Locked on Knicks.